0: Well, again, happy Easter. Uh, Like I said, today we celebrate uh, the fact that Jesus defeated death, that He conquered the grave when after dying on a cross in our place, He rose again three days later. That's what we celebrate today. And we are going to think about the resurrection, specifically from Luke's gospel account of the resurrection. So if you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Luke 24, looking at the first 12 verses verses there. And the title this morning, if you're taking notes, is actually a question. The question is, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? As you're turning there, let me just say, from the onset of Luke's gospel, we learn that Luke is writing to one person, a man named Theophilus. And though he admits, Luke does, that there have been several accounts, several gospels written, about the life and ministry of Jesus, Luke says, I feel the need to write my own account to you, O Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the things that you have been taught about him. And that's how he opens it, but it's all been leading to this moment, this moment about the resurrection of Jesus. This is his, has been his trajectory in the gospel. And so, let's read it together. Chapter 24, verse 1 and 12. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they, a group of women, went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Again, the title this morning is a question, what are you looking for? It's a really common question. Actually, when my wife and I, when we have friends and guests over to our house, there's that inevitable moment, it probably happens to you as well, where someone starts looking in my cabinets and looking in my drawers. And I'll say, what are you looking for? And they'll say, I'm looking for a cup. And I'm like, oh, well, it's in that cabinet. And, and then they'll say, well, I'm looking for a utensil. And I'm like, it's in that drawer over there, the top drawer next to the stove. Practically speaking, when you're looking for something, it is important to know where to look for it. But if we take that question, I guess, on a more philosophical level, a more heart level. It becomes something entirely different because if you want to get philosophical, you could say, well, everybody's looking for something, some meaning to life, some solution to an immediate need or a perceived problem that they have. We are all looking for something. But the problem with the human condition apart from a relationship with God is that we on our own cannot properly diagnose our greatest problem, nor can we diagnose our greatest desire, which means we cannot find the right solution, which also means that at the end of the day, on our own, we don't really know what we're looking for. All we know for certain is that whatever it is, I don't have it. And so we keep looking and we keep looking. And sadly, many of the people that we meet are still looking for whatever that thing is. And they keep coming up empty-handed in the end. And do you want to know why? The reason is because they are looking for all the wrong things in all the wrong places. When I was not a Christian, I know exactly what that feels like. I know that I was looking for something, and if I was to diagnose myself, back then I was looking for escape. I was looking for a way out of my perceived chaos that was my life. And so I turned to things, to substances, to experiences, to take my mind off the reality of my situation. Along with that, though, I would think I was also looking for belonging. I was looking for a sense of community. And so I turned to friends. I looked for people who were in similar situations as I was. And you know what I found? People who were in similar situations as I was. And it gave me no consolation no help. And that pursuit that I was on spun me around like a whirlpool and it left me emptier and more lost than I was when I first started. And maybe some of you know exactly that same sort of experience. Then again, maybe there's some of you who don't have any relation to that experience. You're totally different. Unlike me, you don't go through life looking for escape. Instead, you feel very purposeful, and you feel valued, and so you feel like you're pursuing accomplishments, and so you pour your life into education, or sports, or hobbies, and maybe you accomplish all of your goals, and then you kind of get to the end and go, it didn't do for me what I thought it was gonna do. And that rush of accomplishment actually leaves you emptier in the end, than what you thought. And the reason for this is because you are looking for all the wrong things in all the wrong places. Which, if we look to our story here, is exactly what is happening to these people in this resurrection account in Luke's gospel. People looking for all the wrong things things in all the wrong places. The setting of the story, if you want to look at it with me again, is found in verses 1 and 3. Luke mentions several women coming to the tomb where Jesus was buried just a few days earlier, and he tells us the reason why they make this trip to the tomb. It was to anoint the body of Jesus because as Luke tells us, just a few lines before this, if you want to look back to the last few verses of the last chapter, chapter 23, they wanted to anoint the body of Jesus the moment that he was buried, but (coughs) the Sabbath was coming up. And so according to their law, they couldn't do any work. And so instead, they just went home and they prepared their spices, and their anointments so that when they could, they would go and anoint the body of Jesus. This was a customary thing for people to do at this time for someone who had died. Now, in one sense, we do know that in their minds, they were looking for the right thing in the right place. Looking back at verse 55 of the last chapter, notice what it says. Luke puts this important detail. The women who had come With him from Galilee, followed (coughs) and they saw the tomb and how his body was laid. This is a really important historical detail to prove the validity of their testimony that they went looking for the body of Jesus in the right place because all of them saw, at least four women, maybe even more, (coughs) they saw exactly where the body of Jesus was. Was laid. It would have been one thing if only one of the women saw where his body was laid. She could have easily gotten distracted or turned around. It was, after all, in a pretty emotional time. But that could not have happened because there were all of these witnesses, all of these women. They saw where he was laid and in what way he was laid in the tomb. They knew exactly what they were looking for and they knew exactly where to look for it. They were looking for the lifeless body of Jesus buried among the dead in a tomb, and yet he wasn't there. How is that possible? They probably wondered. They knew where to go, and they knew what was supposed to be there, and yet Jesus wasn't there. And it made me think, doesn't that frustrate you when something like that happens? You know you left your keys here. (laughs) You know you left your wallet there, and now it's gone, and you're wondering what happened. You probably forgot, or maybe your spouse moved it then they forgot. That's what happens. Magnify that feeling times a hundred, and that's how these women were probably feeling. Thankfully, though, for these women, there was someone there who knew what they were looking for and where they could find it. In verse 4, Luke writes that there were, as these women were standing there very unamused, two men stood by in dazzling clothes, which is a clue that these were not just ordinary men, right? They were angels, in fact, messengers sent from God to help these women on their search for Jesus. We know they were angels because of the description of their clothes and because of their response. When they see these men, they bow their faces to the ground and are frightened. That's not something you do before ordinary people. These were angelic beings. And so in this moment, as these women are standing there wondering where the body of Jesus had gone, these angels appear to them and they ask them a really important question. Why do you seek the living among the dead? This is only speculation, but perhaps before they ask that question, maybe these angels ask first, hey, what are you looking for? And after answering, hey, we're looking for the body of Jesus, it was only then these angels asked them, why? (laughs) Why are you looking for the living among the dead? In other words, why are you looking for all of the wrong things in all of the wrong places? Why are you looking for life among dead things? That's a probing question. Why are you looking for life among the things that are dead? Have you ever asked yourself, Maybe that question. Why am I looking for life among the things that are dead? Why do I look for ultimate experiences, ultimate things in temporary realities? Why do I look for someone or something that is temporary to give me what it could never give me because again, it's temporary. If only we could ask ourselves that question more often concerning the things that we're pursuing, the things that we are ambitiously striving after in our lives. What am I looking for in this thing to give me? It may be that when you ask yourself that question, you come to realize, as these women did, that you're looking for all the wrong things in all the wrong places. You're looking for life among the dead. Thankfully, though, God sent these two angels help these women out. And they tell them what they are looking for and where to find him. Luke records it very simply right there in verse 6, the first part of it. He is not here, but he has risen. In other words, the Jesus that you are looking for, the one who was dead, he's not here because he's alive. He is not dead. Therefore what you should be looking for is a living Jesus. Because he's risen from the grave. They didn't find what they were looking for because they were looking for the wrong thing in the wrong place. And as I thought about that, people are still making that same mistake today, aren't they? They look for their own version of Jesus. They look for a Jesus that fits their narrative or their understanding. They look for a Jesus made in their own image and likeness, someone that they can understand when he breaks all of our categories. They look for Jesus, the good moral teacher. They look for Jesus, the social justice warrior. They look for Jesus, the hippie surfer, whatever it is. And in that search for a Jesus made in their own image and likeness, they miss the real, historical, living Savior who is standing right there with them all along. To illustrate that, actually, Luke, in the very next story, we're not going to read it, but in the very next story, after this resurrection account, Luke tells a story about two guys. They're walking, or, or two disciples, they're walking on the road to a town called Emmaus, And as they're walking, it says that a man joins them. And this man is none other than the risen Jesus, but they don't recognize that it is Jesus and they're very downcast. And he asks them what's wrong and they tell him, hey, don't you know what happened? We thought that this guy, Jesus of Nazareth, was gonna be the Messiah and the Savior and and, and he's standing right there with them. And they didn't recognize him. Why? Because they were looking for a political liberator Jesus. They weren't looking for a risen Jesus. We'll come back to that story in a second, but here in the resurrection story, we do have to cut these ladies, I think, a little bit of slack because if you were in their shoes, you would have done the exact same thing. But notice what these men do next. Because though they were looking for the wrong thing in the wrong place, these men point out, but you should not have been. You shouldn't have been. If they would have just believed in what Jesus had said, they never would have been at that tomb in the first place. There is a resource that was available to them and is still available to us today to discover the real living Jesus. And it's in the words of Jesus. Notice what he says there in verse six and seven. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, while he was still alive, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. What are you doing here? (laughs) Why are you looking for something? If you would have just believed what He said, what these men are doing, are they're helping these women to see that if they had just believed in what Jesus' words said, they would not have missed it. They never would have been looking for the wrong things in the wrong places, looking for life among the dead. Instead, they would have been looking for a living Savior among the living. But the point remains, something I don't want to have a passing point on, which is this, the true, the living Jesus is found even now through faith in His living and active Word. You want to know who Jesus is? Look no further than the pages of His Word. He's not found in personal experiences alone. He's not found in movies or books about Jesus. He's found in His Word. And might I add that Jesus is found in the preaching of His Word. I'm not talking about just a preacher behind a pulpit. I'm talking about you telling someone else about Jesus. Isn't that exactly what these angels are doing? They're referred to as men on purpose by Luke to show these are just people telling other people about Jesus, and in that preaching about his word, these women's lives are completely transformed. And that same power, that same influence, that same authority has been given to everyone who believes and communicates his word. Jesus is found in his word and in the preaching of his word. In fact, that happens again in the very next story that I mentioned. Those two disciples, they're discouraged. They don't recognize that this man walking with them on the road is Jesus. And Luke tells us that in that moment, Jesus says, you fools, (laughs) you slow of heart to believe. Don't you know what the Bible says? And it says from the beginning to the end, He tells them all, from the Old Testament Scriptures, how all the things that happened to Jesus were meant to happen to Jesus that he was going to die, that he was going to suffer, and that he was going to rise again. And their their minds are blown away. And they're like, hey, why don't you come over to our house tell us more about this? And so he comes over, and, and it says that the moment he broke bread with them, their eyes were opened. And they recognized, oh my gosh, this is Jesus. And then all of a sudden, he disappears. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us when he opened up The scriptures to us and explained the gospel to us from the Bible. They saw Jesus literally, but what they talk about is the burning inside them when they heard the scriptures. They saw Christ in His Word. Friends, the truth is, it is through faith in God's living and active Word that you will find exactly what you are looking for. If you're looking for truth, go to God's Word. If you want answers to life's questions, go to God's Word. If you want to know God and know yourself better, look to His Word. And don't just look, believe in what His Word says. When you do, your life will be transformed as you find in His Word exactly the things that you are looking for, which is exactly what happened to these women, Notice there's a triple movement in their response. The first thing it, he says is they remembered what Jesus said, which is more than just like, a, oh yeah, I forgot that. It's, it's a actually taking it and applying it to their life. They remembered it. They believed it. And then it says they returned. They went back. They went and saw and found the disciples where they were out hiding like cowards. And it says they reported, they told what they had seen. This is the movement of a transformed life. You hear the gospel, you believe the gospel, then you go back to your life, but you go back different people and you tell others about what happened to you, what you have seen and heard. But Luke's purpose in recording their response is again more than just to give an account. It's to show that model response. If you're like, I don't know what I should do with this gospel message, look to how these women responded. Believe in the message. Return. Go back, but different people, and tell others about what Jesus has done for you. Of course, they do that. They tell these men, these disciples, the ones who had walked with Jesus for years. And Luke tells us this really tragic thing. He says they were not convinced, and they did not believe. And we're kind of wondering, why. why? What was it about all of these women that they did not believe? And this is only speculation, but maybe like these women, these men too were looking for all the wrong things in all the wrong places. They weren't expecting Jesus to come back to life, though they had seen Jesus give sight to the blind, speech to the mute, hearing to the deaf, strength to the lame, even life to the dead... They had seen Jesus do all of these things, and yet they did not believe that Jesus could do that in his own life. Maybe there was another reason why they didn't believe. Maybe it's a reason why many of the people that we know don't believe. And it's a tragic reason. And it's because for these men, it's it's not the message, but who they're hearing it from. There was a bias, there was a prejudice in this culture. uh, A woman's testimony could not be used in a legal proceeding. And so maybe it's possible that they're thinking, I don't want to believe this because of who I'm hearing it from. And I think that's still true today. I think there's a lot of people who don't even want to hear the message because they are biased or they built up walls against the people who are communicating it. Still, again, those are just speculation. All we're told is that they didn't believe what these women had to say. And yet, There was one, one person among them. And we are told in verse 12, these awesome words. Look again, it says, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. And when he got there, he found exactly what he was looking for. He found an empty tomb. In fact, it's possible that, that maybe on his journey there or when he was there or on his journey back, it's possible that even Peter, Simon Peter, saw the resurrected Savior because there's this weird note in that story with the, the guys and the, the, the disciples and the road to Emmaus. At the end of that story, after Jesus reveals himself and they say, did our hearts not burn within us, they go back, look, look forward to verse 33, it says, they rose that same hour And they returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. My question is, when did that happen? Luke doesn't even tell us. We're assuming it happened somewhere when he ran to the tomb or on his way back. But these disciples, they knew that He had risen. They saw him and they heard from Peter that he also saw Jesus. But then he goes on in verse 35 then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. You know, I would imagine at this point, Luke, the author of this story, he's writing to a friend named Theophilus. And I would imagine Luke making a gesture at this point like this. Luke, what more are you looking for? You know, it's not conclusive to us if Theophilus was a believer. Some speculate that he was, some speculate that he wasn't. All we know from the beginning of the letter is that Luke is writing to someone that he cares about and respects, named Theophilus. And his purpose is to give him a clear account of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But our question is as to what end? For what purpose? Maybe it was to lead him to faith in Jesus. Maybe it was to strengthen his newfound faith in Jesus. But if it was to lead him to faith, you'd have to imagine that Luke at this point in the letter, after everything that he has said and proven, would be gesturing to Theophilus. Oh, Theophilus. What more could you be looking for? More evidence? More testimony? More proof that Jesus really lived, that He really died, and that He really rose again? What more do you need beyond what I have already given to you that would convince you to believe in the Lord Jesus? It's an interesting question. But I'm wondering, maybe if for Luke, he's not writing to the head of Theophilus. Maybe he's not trying to convince him on an intellectual level. Maybe Luke's question was more aimed at his heart. Oh, Theophilus, what more could you be looking for than what is an available through faith in Jesus? Maybe Theophilus, like these women, was a guy that Luke knew was looking for all the wrong things in all the wrong places. And Luke knew and saw him that all of these pursuits that he was after, every time he was coming up, empty. And so Luke is sitting there like these two angels and he's helping Theophilus to see that if you keep going that way, you're gonna keep finding all the wrong things in all the wrong places. But if you go this way, That in Jesus is everything that you could ever want or need or imagine. I'm not exactly sure what brought you here today. I know for most of you, you're here because there was a time in your life when the risen Lord appeared to you in a personal way. Perhaps it was a time in your life, like it was in my own life, when you were looking for all the wrong things in all the wrong places. But one day, and you can... Look back on that day or that season of your life, and what seemed like out of nowhere, Jesus revealed himself to you, that the gospel became real and true and personal to you, and God opened your eyes, the eyes of your heart, to see your need for Jesus and that Jesus is able and willing to be your Savior. And in that moment, you put your faith and trust in him and stopped pursuing all of these other things. And so you're here this Easter morning to do what you do every Sunday morning since that day, which is to worship your risen Savior and to be reminded every week because our flesh, we want to do this still. We found Jesus, but sometimes we get distracted, right? The world is so tempting. And so we, we come here every week to remind ourselves that, that there's nothing out there really for me than what I've already found in the Lord Jesus. You're here because He found you and because you found Him. Still, there may be some of you here who, if I were to ask you the question, what are you looking for? You may say, I really, I guess, have no idea what I'm looking for. But whatever it is, I don't have it. And I came here today with questions. I know I was in a similar situation. My question to you is this, how long will you go on looking For life among the dead. How long are you going to go on looking for life among the dead? How long will you go on searching for all the wrong things in all the wrong places when the risen Savior is right there, ready to reveal Himself to you and draw you into a relationship with Him? A better option for you would be to do what these women did, to do what Peter did, to do what the eleven disciples eventually did to do what billions of people have done over the centuries since the risen Savior came. And you put your faith and trust in Jesus. That's a much better option. Believe and trust in Him. And quit looking for life among the dead. Why don't we pray together and we'll have a time of communion. God, we come before you and we recognize Lord, that so often we are distracted, we are pursuing things to satisfy the deepest needs, and yet those things were never meant to do that. We find our deepest desires, our deepest passions fulfilled in a relationship with you, God, the one who made us, the one who created that, as many say, the God-shaped hole in our hearts that only you can fill. And yet, we try and fill it with all these other things. We're looking for all the wrong things in all the wrong places. Thank you, though, that you have revealed in Christ and in his resurrection the truth of the matter that in him and through faith in him and trust in his word is the only place where we can find everything that we're looking for. I pray for us, those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus already, that we would be encouraged in that hope that we have in Christ already, and that we would continue to pursue that and not get distracted with the things of the world. (coughs) God, I pray for those who maybe aren't sure or know for certain that they haven't put their faith in your son, Jesus. I pray that they would recognize the dead end roads that they just keep going down and see that in you is that narrow road that leads to life eternal and put their faith and trust in you this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.